We work hard as physicians to take care of the health and well-being of our patients. But when it comes to our money, do we have the same condition of care? Probably, probably not. Let's change that together. Welcome to the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast, where we'll fight and advocate for your financial literacy. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. Thanks for being here. Let's jump into the show. This week's episode is sponsored by CityVest. CityVest has quickly become the most popular and best way for doctors to invest in top-performing real estate private equity funds that are usually reserved for institutional investors. This unique access to investing in these institutional funds is available for the first time ever through CityVest's easy and secure online investment platform. CityVest does the hard work of conducting due diligence and vetting the investments. They even get a third-party due diligence report that is posted on their website. As a result of aggregating a several million dollar investment amount into their access funds, CityVest gains access to investing in the institutional investment and is able to negotiate better investment terms such as a 12% preferred return. You can check them out at cityvest.com or go to the link in the show notes below. Welcome everybody to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I talk about four pillars of freedom, time, financial, location, emotional freedom. And the podcast started out with physician, guests, and uh, audience, and now it's expanded. So I'm always trying to add a new twist, keep things fresh. And in that light today, we have an entrepreneur from Denver, Colorado. Um, he is, his name is Aaron Shine, and he is the CEO and founder of attainablehome.com. And we're going to talk all about inflation, real estate investing tied with sustainability. And I'm really excited for this show. So Aaron, welcome. Yeah, appreciate that. Thanks for having me, Christopher. Yeah, I know uh, we got connected on Podmatch and, um, you know, we were Mm -hmm. talking backstage and you have a really interesting twist and story. So tell the audience about yourself and how you got started. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so going back to to late high school, early college, I was always interested in sustainability, sort of the mix between environmental and business savings. And, you know, I was like, OK, how, how do I go about this? I mean, through college, I have an undergrad, but I changed my major four times and sort of, you know, discovered finance and real estate that way, which I really ended up loving uh, through school. But, you know, kind of I was a, one of 5,000 undergrads graduating in, in 06 in August. And, and I was just like, what, what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. You know? And so I did a bit of research and just packed the car. That was central Florida. I drove out to Denver and chased down a solar company starting up there for, for two months until they hired me, basically walked in every week until they, <laughs> they hired me, you know, didn't have much, but you just go for it. Right. Um, and that started my career in sustainability. I did, I did my first job out of college there was was solar door to door like we're getting now the door knockers and the flyers and I was in Costco at the end caps all weekend you know selling solar and so sales training and and that's how I kind of cut my teeth but through that uh, it was frustrating because in the last recession there the payback on your money was so long it was like 22 to 25 years on your money and it didn't really make sense and that only translates to 
a few percentage points, you know, return on investment. So I got into energy efficient lighting. Actually, I found that through doing trade shows, worked for a company that went under in 09, in 2010, actually, in the last recession. And then two weeks after getting laid off of that, that was in Boulder, Colorado, I started my own. Um, so I was one of the first energy efficient lighting uh, commercial distribution companies in, in the country and uh, grew pretty quickly. I had it for seven years, had a nice exit in 2017 and kind of rolled all the capital into real estate and always loved real estate. Started investing in 09 in my own properties and rentals and primary residences. But now I'm in residential commercial, you know, uh, crowdfunding deals, uh, the which are really popular lately, especially for physicians. And, <laughs> and I'm not a physician myself, but I have a, a lot of friends uh, from Denver when I lived there, like half of them were, were doctors. And I just saw the going through residency and, and the pain and the hard work and, <laughs> you know, di different things you guys go through. So it, it's a lot of fun to be on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. so interesting. Um, you know, cause uh, you, you're the, um, you're the entrepreneur that, you know, kind of did everything from the ground up and you got a lot of experience in the sustainable industry and now real estate. Um, so, well, I mean, I know you wanted to talk about the economy and, and why real estate really fits into that paradigm, especially in today's narrative. So um, tell us more about that. Sure. Yes. Um, and to bring it kind of all the way around, what I do now with Attainable Home is sustainable investing with uh, real estate and sort of combining the traditional real estate principle investing principles with solar and energy efficiency and electric cars and our Teslas and all, all that kind of stuff. So that's what I'm doing now, which I'll cover. But I think it's really important, especially in a profession like yours and anyone listening who, I mean, I, I can't claim to relate, but I, but I've seen it because, you know, I, I we would do these brunch conversations and so, somebody, an anesthesiologist would say, oh, I just got my student loans, you know, down past 200 grand and things like that, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> I, I just saw and and also you work so hard for so long into your 30s and beyond and you, you don't, you don't make much relatively and then all of a sudden you get a massive salary. You know, and, and that's, that's all gravy but you know you, you have a lot of numbers flying around. And I think it's really important, not, not just for physicians, but for anyone to really understand a bit of the core monetary system and how it's built, because we're all swimming in it. And it does go into, you know, general personal finance principles, financial literacy, but, I, but I'd like to kind of talk through it in, in this way. Um, and we're, we're all sort of swimming in, it, it, I mean, technically, it's called fractional reserve banking system. It's a debt-based system. And the money that we all use, and this is every country on earth, pretty much every major major country on earth, you have the country itself and the government, and you have a central bank. In our case, it's the Federal Reserve. You know, in, in England, it's the Bank of England or the European Central Bank, the ECB, and so forth. And it, like a little exercise I like to run through, let's say you and I, there's a hundred podcast bucks between us. We're the full economy, right? A hundred dollars. And I need a loan at 5% and I pay you in a year. So I owe you 105 podcast bucks in a year, right? Well, if we're a closed economy and we don't make the money in the system, where do I get the $5 to pay you mm -hmm. at the end of the year? Well, it has to come from somewhere because 
you lent it to me. I owe it to you. If I don't owe it to you, the whole thing falls apart, trust and everything like that. And sort of how that works functionally in our society is the Federal Reserve. It's created out of nothing. And that's a form of, if that makes sense. Now, that concept took me like three weeks to wrap my head around when I first kind of stumbled across thinking about it like this way. But being a debt-based system, you cannot roll money back and not create new money to fill in all these promises and productivity increases and so forth through, through society. So I owe you 105 and whoever makes the money needs to create essentially $105 or the whole thing falls apart. And that's a very simplistic example of how this monetary system works. But it also means you cannot go backwards. And every major country through the last you know hundreds of years has had the same exact system. And uh, if, if that makes sense at all, that's sort of the baseline for all this talk of inflation. And we're going back to the 1970s and the 40s. We've had these cycles hit us before where we have to define inflation, which is just creating more monetary supply and sort of the devaluation of our currency is the flip side of it, which also means the erosion of purchasing power and and we can get into assets and investing in real estate uh if you like yeah uh, to kind of kick it off from there yeah exactly yeah go ahead yeah and, and first too i mean i have i have a couple bills here i'll just show up to the, the camera if that makes sense i these are hyperinflated <laughs> bills that you can that you can buy on ebay this is a 50 million dollar reichsbank mark from 1923, Germany, right? Uh -huh. And and it's 100 years old, um, going back to World War One when Germany owed all these reparations and stuff. And the other one is the Bank of Zimbabwe, which is a hundred trillion dollar bill. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like I think it's like 16 zeros or something on here, but yeah. I think it was like three dollars on eBay. Yeah. But throughout history, it just shows that different countries hyperinflate their currency into nothing. And so the whole point of even mentioning this is that with investing, it's effectively what we're doing. You must own assets to keep ahead of this and um, to essentially, you know, they call it getting out of the rat race or having your money work for you or things along those lines. That's basically what we're doing because if you own real assets and we could talk about what those actually are, how to define it, um, you can stay ahead of this. So it doesn't matter how much money is created. You still own assets and they go up with the inflation and with money creation. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's really, and what's interesting is that, um, you know, especially for real estate, uh, you know, especially for entrepreneurs, business owners, um, even, you know, among the physician community, you know, it's all about real estate. They, it's, and mm. Tell us, tell us why, why is that? Well, with physicians specifically, uh, I mean, normally or most in most cases, you're going to have a really high salary, which means you have a lot of taxes. I mean, I've had friends, they're so excited about their new job as a surgeon. And then they're like, oh, my God, the taxes that got taken out of this. So real estate itself and things like crowdfunding partnerships and uh, things that you can invest in are good tax savings uh you're kicking the can down a road effectively for a little while. Uh, but real estate itself, like owning rental properties, it's the biggest tax deduction thing you can do that I know of. 
Um, and I, I do this for myself to keep my own taxes down. So taxes, number one, um, real estate. Now let's talk about what an asset is. I, I would say anything that's that has scarcity. Um, cars generally are not, even though last year used cars went up and everything like that. That's what that's the inflationary environment we're in. Mm -hmm. And now some argue that we're in stagflation, which means you don't produce anymore. The economy isn't growing but the monetary supply is growing. The, the amount of money they're printing is growing. So everything goes up, and and but there's no growth. And so what an asset is, it, it, land, for instance, you can't make more of it. So that qualifies as an asset. Um, art can, you know, in the eye of the beholder, art, uh, Rolexes, things like that, even though we're in a down cycle at the moment, anything that produces money, Anything that creates money, like businesses, stocks, bonds, right? Mm -hmm. uh, real estate, rental income is the same. So real estate covers so much of it. it it's an asset. It's scarce. It mm -hmm. produces rental income. It's a it's an inflation hedge, which means the more money they print, you know, the, the houses generally go up. And over the past 120 years or so, real estate has gone up. I think 3.2 percent or something like that. But the la look at the last few years, it went up 10 to 20 percent. And that's cooling off because the Federal Reserve is raising rates to make it cool off. They sort of engineer these cycles because inflation's out of control and regular people can't uh, can't buy houses at these prices. So things are cooling off in part for those reasons. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it's so interesting. And, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, especially physicians, they they love real estate because it's something tangible so they can see it and hold it. And, you know, it's been art too. It's, I see why the, you know, especially in times of crises, people hold things that are, are value, of value. Um, what's interesting is that you have this um, sustainability piece um, and then you, you tie it into sustainable real estate investing uh, which is really fascinating. And I, I'd like to hear more about that and as well as the audience. Thanks. Yeah. When, three years ago, I started Attainable Home. And after investing in commercial and, and residential, it was basically you have an exit, like much like physicians, you you normally have a, a bunch of uh, capital left over. And it's like, what do you do with it? And And so one, it's not lose it, you know, general personal finance principles. It's it, one thing I wanted to say too, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. So mm -hmm. always just make sure, be really careful about keeping up with the Joneses and, and things like that. I know I'm backtracking a little bit, but anyway, with, so with the sustainability, I've been in this industry my whole career and everyone's talking about net zero and ESG and, you know, green this and Tesla that. <laughs> and I really wanted to combine traditional real estate investing principles with an easier way to do an actual net zero house. And a net zero house means a home that can produce as much energy as it uses. And I wanted to see if I could roll in the the powering the Tesla with it. I have a Model 3 or any electric car. So attainable home, the concept is one, doing energy efficiency and then doing typically solar as a last case and sort of calculating all the way through your energy needs for the year. And then zeroing out your entire energy bill through that. And also sticking to home value increase from the savings you're getting on the utility bill and mm -hmm. then perceived value. And, and otherwise, what I found the ROI from doing 
sustainability stuff is actually higher than your typical real estate investing ROI. So you're tacking on higher increases to your, you're increasing not only your nominal rate of return, but your percentage as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting. So you're adding more value and then you're also being more um, environmentally friendly and at the same time, you know, cutting your, your costs and in your, in your energy bills. Um, mm-hmm. What's, what's interesting is that, um, you know, you approach the uh, renewable energy world with the um, real estate investing principles. And how do you, how do you approach that in terms of a, you know, overall macro perspective? In terms of um, combining sustainability or just the real estate, combining all of it, yes? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Sorry. Yeah. Um, well, with solar, for instance, studies are showing that 3 to 4% home value increase comes from owning the system, not renting it, not leasing it. And so if you can increase, if you can increase the home value by adding solar, yeah. um, and, and with the macro picture and inflation and everything, there's kind of two parts of it. There's the capital increase part, capital gains, and then also the amount that it produces monthly or yearly or whatever. So what you're doing with efficiency and solar on these homes that I find is I'm combining, you're basically eliminating your energy bill, like one, two, $300 a month, or sometimes much more if you have a bigger house with no more gas. And so you get the effective cash flow, which in my case is anywhere. I'm in Florida now, but the last two houses I did for myself, you know, anywhere from 12 to 20% ROI um, yearly cash flow on the money you spend for efficiency in solar. And so you have so you have the the yearly sort of it's like a bond or a dividend payment. But then you also increase the equity on on your house. So run your typical investing real estate calculators and then just tack on the efficiency and value increase from sustainability. Another way to, to put this, too, is we all have energy bills in our home. And if you can do this, you're extracting more savings out of things you're, that are already sitting there because you're just paying you're just paying the bill without even thinking much of it. And a lot of homes can go net zero these days, especially with with how good the tech is now and how low the prices have gotten on these things. Yeah, and that's so, so fascinating to you know talk to you, um, and really interesting how you know you combine very new principles to existing um, industries. Um, you know, after and you saw you you mentioned you sold your business in 2016 or 2017 and you did a lot of traveling and sounds like you mm-hmm. do a lot of personal work. What are some of the key lessons that you learned? Oh, good question. On the, on the personal side, all the things you read about that, you know, the 80 year olds it, sort of retirees like to share with us who have to learn the hard way. Um, you know, went did, went to Bali. You know, did the eat, pray, love thing for a bit. Tra- <laughs> traveled the world. I mean, you you find out one the the highs don't last too long. I mean, I remember exactly when I had the wire come in from the, my business sale. It lasted about ten minutes, and then all of a sudden, it's like, well, what am I going to do now? I have to start another business. You know, all this stuff. <laughs> and so. I mean, one, like a lot of us hard chargers and, and, you know, achievers and call us whatever, 
you, but work on being present, work on enjoying where you are, what you did, because it's endless. I mean, things like keeping up with the Joneses, you know, that'll kill you over time. If you can work on releasing some of that stuff, you'll just feel so much more calm and and free. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, I mean, with my, I roll a lot into business just because I really love it. And that's what I do. But, you know, Attainable Home for me represents sort of a passion purpose project um, without sort of the, the, um, the things hindering me before. Because before it was just like, how fast, how far, how much money can I make this yeah. and that really, which you don't know at the time, but looking back, that's how it is. So I would say, you know, that, and otherwise you go through these phases like retail therapy, you buy all this stuff that you don't need, you know, today's luxury is tomorrow's liability type of stuff. <laughs> and, you know, keep things sim- simple, keep close friends, um, understand that money isn't the answer. It's not, it doesn't make you happy. Yes. To cover some of the bases and a little bit more, but it's an endless sort of rat race that doesn't have much payoff if you go that way. So that those are just a few that I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. And, you know, to the audience, you know, these are words of wisdom, you know, from, you know, someone who's been there, you know, the, the path. And, you know, if you think everything is money about money or, you know, the, what we refer to as, you know, the destination syndrome or, you know, just try to get there, get there, uh, the arrival fallacy. So um, I really enjoyed this conversation. And I know a lot of the audience is interested in learning more about you, either from, you know, an economic real estate or uh, sustainable sustainability perspective. Um, how can people, you know, visit you and contact you and, and, and learn more about you? Sure. Thanks. The And this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate it. The, the website uh, and the company is attainablehome.com, singular. And I wrote up a bunch of case studies I did on these net zero homes. And we have hundreds of articles on all, all sorts of things, you know, sustainability and electric cars and everything. And uh, if you if you contact me through the website, I, I get those directly. So feel free to do that. And um, and then we've got ebooks. I mean, especially if you if you have a bigger house, you can download uh, this guide from the homepage there. And it's like 40 things that people can do for their own homes to lower their energy bill. And if you have a bigger home, you're talking hundreds of dollars per month. So so that's on there, too. But yeah, that that's the current project. And it'd be fun to chat with anyone. Yeah. And for all the audience listening, um, uh, Aaron's um, links will be in the show notes and resources. And um, it has been a really great conversation. I really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, we look forward to hearing about your future successes. Appreciate that. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited that you made it for another episode. You are truly the best. If you've been following the show for a while, you know that my passion is to bring you the education you need to find your path to financial freedom. Please come back week after week for new content, new resources, and great guests. Until then, if you haven't already, please be sure to check out the website, www.drchrisluemdphd.com for more support. I'll see you next week.